blessing. Thank you, young men. Thank you, young ladies. I appreciate the good singing, the work of the day, and uh, your faithfulness. Open your Bibles again to the book of Ephesians in chapter 6. And then in a little while, about halfway through the message, we're going to go to the book of Daniel in chapter 9 and chapter 10. My text verse is verse number 18 where the Bible says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. The text is prayer. The context is a great battle that we find ourselves in like it or not, wanted or not, desired or not. Verse number 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That wouldn't be too difficult. But it is difficult because we fight against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There are only two weapons of offense, two offensive weapons as you look at the various pieces of the armor of God. The first is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the second, which is the most powerful, and that is the weapon of prayer. I want to preach tonight on this subject, what makes a great prayer warrior. Heavenly Father, my prayer today is if just one would get a hold of this truth and decide I will become a prayer warrior. There is no telling the difference that one person could make who committed themselves to this work, this very difficult work, Lord, this work of spiritual warfare, and that is a work of prayer. Lord, our nation, as we see it, has very little hope of survival as a nation. If there is any hope, it lies not in people, but in prayer. For only you could turn our nation around. The victories we celebrate are so small as far as our nation is concerned. And I pray that you would speak to our heart in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin by giving a definition of a prayer warrior. A prayer warrior is one first who chooses. Number two, to fight. Number three, to fight personal and spiritual battles. Number four, through prayer. Number five, in the wisdom of the Lord. Number six, instead of their own strength. I want to define a spiritual prayer warrior again. A prayer warrior is a person who chooses to fight personal and spiritual battles through prayer and the wisdom of the Lord instead of their own strength. A warrior is someone who fights against resistance. A warrior is more than a soldier. A warrior is one who fights with 
persistence. A warrior is one who fights to the victory or to their death. I use tonight for illustration the person of Daniel. Daniel was a prayer warrior as we will see recorded in Daniel chapter 9 and Daniel chapter 10. We're going to learn that Daniel prayed a difficult prayer that was heard as soon as he prayed it. But the answer did not come for three weeks. Not because the answer was not given. And it's an amazing true story of spiritual warfare, of how the spiritual powers of darkness fought against the angel that would deliver the answer. And for three weeks there was a battle. Daniel waited patiently, persistently in prayer for the answer to come. I want you to turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 9 and I want to give you a bit of the setting of this book and then I'll read in more detail than usual scripture tonight and help us to see the story and what spiritual warfare in prayer looks like. Spiritual warfare prayer is not the prayers that have been prayed here tonight, though I do not diminish them. Those are powerful prayers. They're important prayers. They are prayed as they should be prayed, prayers that are public prayers. We're praying for our friends and our family those who are sick, those who are ill, are those that have had deaths in their family, those that face difficulties. That is important prayer. I'm not discounting that. Jesus said, my house should be called the house of prayer. But the prayer I'm talking about in the message tonight is a prayer that takes more than five minutes, it takes more than ten minutes. In fact, the kind of prayer I'm talking about, uh, you don't decide to fast but you so hunger for the answer that food is not near as important as the answer to prayer. By the time we get to Daniel chapter 9, the decree of Cyrus ending, the Babylonian captivity resulted in the more spiritual Jews leaving Babylon and returning to the promised land. You understand the captivity is 70 years. Many of the Jews remain in Babylon, including Daniel, who is now old, who is now up in years, who has been serving many kings there for the 70 years. You can imagine as he bids farewell uh, to those that have returned to uh, Jerusalem, such as uh, Zerubbabel, uh, Joshua, the high priest, and relatives and others. There were those that did not return to Jerusalem. There were those that were born in Babylon, and uh, many of them stayed as they had, uh, uh, their home was there. Uh, they had business interest there. And while they maybe should have returned to Jerusalem, uh, they did not. Imagine, if you will, the more spiritual Jews have left and Daniel is there still in Babylon. You may see this old man walking the streets of Babylon, the great city with its high walls, with its broad river, with its man-made barriers and hanging gardens in a place not far from where Eden's flowers once bloomed. Daniel was at home in Babylon, but his heart was in Canaan. 
We see him make his way home, perhaps a look of loneliness on his face as he is shut up to his books. As we know, he read the book of Jeremiah. He is left to his memories, and his work is that of prayer. While he is there, another long vision comes to Daniel, one that begins with this chapter and continues to the end of the book. Daniel seeks the face of God to know the vision of God. This chapter and this story, it convicts me because of Daniel's hunger to know the will of God. Seventy years of service have not satisfied him. He doesn't say, I have given 70 years to serve God. And I've been through many visions and dreams that I have sought the face of God and the answer for. After 70 years, Daniel is still seeking the face of God, not in a casual way, but still engaged in prayer. For Daniel has learned the greatest power on earth is the power that comes from heaven through the activity of prayer. So we look at Daniel chapter 9 as I begin in verse number 3. I want you to see not only that he prayed, I want you to see the content of his prayer. I want you to see the compassion of his prayer. I, I, I want you to see the concern for sin of his prayer. Daniel chapter 9 verse number 3 And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned and we have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord... Righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces as at this day to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off through all the countries whither thou hast driven them because of their trespass that they have trespassed against thee. By the way, Make note what sin does. It'll take you a lot farther than you intended to go. Sin will cost you a lot more than you intended to pay. Daniel's prayer of confession. Daniel's prayer with a, with a compassion for others. Daniel's prayer with a concern for their sin. Notice with me as we go now to chapter 10... And look at verse number 2. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. 
I'm not sure how that affects you, but that, that convicts my heart in the matter of prayer. Prayer does make a difference. I know it does. I spent no less than three hours in prayer today. I spent no less than 10 hours in prayer this week. I know what prayer does to move heaven. I know that prayer makes a difference. Verse number three, I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is at Hiddekel, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Euphaz. His body also was like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polish brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision for the men that were with me saw not the vision that a great quaking fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision and there remained no strength in me for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption and I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words. When I heard the voice of his word, then was I in a deep sleep on my face and my face toward the ground. Stay with me now, verse number 10. And behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hand. Can you see Daniel? Can you see the agony of prayer? We're not talking about mealtime prayer, though I'm not discounting that. We're not talking about bedtime prayer, though I'm not discounting that. We're not talking about morning prayer, though I'm not discounting that. We're talking about a prayer agonizing, hungering to know the vision of God, hungering to know the will of God. Verse number 11, And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and chasten thyself. What does that mean? It means to not allow the flesh to control my activity, but allow the spirit to discipline my flesh to do what I'm supposed to do. And the reason we fail often in prayer is because prayer is work. Prayer has to overcome the flesh. Prayer has to overcome the hunger of the flesh. It has to overcome the feelings and the emotions of the flesh. And he said, Thou chasten thyself before God. Thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, 
Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand. I want you to see how God shows us a picture of spiritual warfare and how there is a wrestling, not on earth, but a wrestling among the principalities and powers, among the darkness of this world. And I want to make note and make sure you make note, the winner was the great power of an almighty God. The winner was the power of righteousness. Uh, the victory came to one uh, that rules the world. The stars and the moon and the, and the skies and the galaxies. I want to say to you today, if you've been praying and begging God and no answer has not come, it doesn't mean that God has not heard your prayer. It means keep on praying. The answer is on the way. Amen. This chapter gives an extraordinary glimpse into if I may call it the mechanics of prayer, as we look at the spiritual forces that take side for and against God's people in the unseen world. But I fear that so many in our day do not spend enough time in prayer on purpose to get prayers answered beyond what is going to happen anyway. I don't want to live life praying for things that are going to happen anyway. I want God's will to be done through my life and through our church that come as a result of the power of heaven breaking through the forces of evil and bringing victory in our lives and in our church. In our day and age, we need those who will decide to become prayer warriors, choosing to face and to fight our personal and our spiritual battles through prayer. You understand tonight, there is little to no hope for our nation as a whole. You understand this past week, Senate spent time passing a spending bill for a week. I, I'm, I'm talking about we, we, we not only don't have a balanced budget, we don't pay our debts, but just a week. Our nation is in a mess tonight beyond our understanding. You see, I see no hope on earth for our nation. And friend, I don't see our school system coming back. I don't see our college system coming back. And there are those who fought to elect conservative Republicans believing surely they'll stand for life and surely they'll stand for marriage when many of them joined against the anti-family group and the anti-marriage group to try to redefine, by the way, I don't care what you call it, you can't redefine marriage, it's already been defined, but lowering themselves, you say, preacher, what do we do? We go over the head of the Senate. We'll go, we'll go over the head of the Congress. We go over the head of the President. And we go to the King of Kings, believing there's a God in heaven. And if there's hope for revival for our nation, if there's hope for our nation coming back to God, dear friend, it will come from a moving of heaven. And I want to tell you something. God could have the attention of every single American by sunup in the morning, by sunup in the morning. And we've seen glimpses of it. We've seen pictures of it. As 
as we've seen hurricanes come to western Kentucky just more than a, a, a year ago. We saw floods come through the Kentucky River Basin just six months ago. Hey, there wasn't any ACLU lawyers going around saying, now you can't pray, you can't pray. Friend, they'd run that crowd out of town because they were praying. They were calling out to God and God could have the attention. And only God could get the attention of this wayward nation. Oh, how we need in our day and in our age those who will decide to, come, to become prayer warriors, choosing to face, choosing to fight our personal and our spiritual battles through prayer for our nation, for our children, for our children. Our children, you understand tonight, you're a blessed child. To have a home that you go to tonight where someone will love you and feed you and care for you and give you a warm bed to sleep in, a place where there's a Bible, not just in the house, but a Bible that's read. Many of you will have the opportunity of Christian education, whether that's in a Christian home, or whether that's in a Christian school, you're blessed. You understand you're in a tremendous minority tonight that many in our world today, they live as atheists, not because they've chosen to reject God. They don't know anything about God. I mentioned this morning, I received an email from the Carolinas saying, thank you for the bus ministry. My niece and nephew ride the buses to the church there at Clay's Mill. And were it not for the bus ministry, my children or my niece and nephew would have zero, would have zero spiritual influence. The only, hear, the only time they hear God's name is to hear God's name used in vain. The only time they hear about a church is when a church is criticized. Thank God for a bus driver and a bus captain and a bus worker and for a church that will finance the many buses and all of the work that they get to hear. There is a God in heaven. There was a Savior born in Bethlehem. He did die on the cross. He did raise from the grave. He does offer to you salvation free if you'll simply receive it. Oh, listen to me. The work of reaching our children will not be accomplished through our physical ability. We don't have enough ability. We don't have enough strength. We don't have enough money. Oh, how we need to hear from the God of heaven. Prayer for the salvation of lost souls. Oh, how I pray for the churches, the young men and their dear wives and families across this nation, especially those young preachers that are working to be a lighthouse in their town a lighthouse in their city and their community. Oh, how they need the touch of God. It will take more than a program. It will take more than a cantata. I'm thankful for those things. I'm for those. But what I'm saying tonight, dear friend, it's not in the mechanics of our work. It's not just going through an organized program. It's God's people finding a place and saying, Oh, God, bless the work of our hands. Take the little stone that was in David's, like was in David's sling, and do a mighty work with it. Take the lunch from the little lad that had just a small amount. Multiply it to the multitudes. Oh, listen to me. We need to multiply our work. And the only way we can multiply our work is stand before the God of heaven.
Oh, how we need to see, how we need to hear, how we need to study the prayer lives of great women and great men in the word of God that got a hold of the God of heaven. As I read through the book of Acts, and I find that the church at Jerusalem, it began to grow, and it grew quickly. And there were many needs to be met, and they worked to care for those needs. And you'll find in there that the pastor of the church, they talked about the importance of choosing deacons, men that were spirit-filled men, that loved people, that had a compassion for people, that they could help in the administration of caring for people. You know why the pastor said we must give ourselves to two, two offensive tools that are mentioned in the book of Ephesians. The one is the word of God and the other is prayer. It's important that I spend time in study and preparation Ah, but it's far more important that this preacher, this preacher spends time with God in prayer to preach the truth of the word of God. For I'm not preaching an outline that can be studied in a class on a proper way to deliver a sermon. I want to preach the word of God to the place that it penetrates beyond the mind to the heart and soul. And it says, I need to spend time with God in prayer. Oh, how we need to pray for our churches, how we need to pray for our missionaries. I read the story this week, Brother Baxter and his wife, teaching on the importance of marriage in Africa. They discovered that many have children, never been married. They didn't understand what God says about God-ordained marriage. And so as he's opened, listen to me, he opened that old precious, powerful book and it began to teach of God's intent for one man, for one woman, then to have children and to rear them and nurture an admonition of the Lord. I saw the pictures. I saw the pictures of the proud and happy groom standing beside the beautiful bride. Oh, you understand that marriage of the husband and wife, that's a picture of how Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Oh, Heavenly Father, bless our missionaries on foreign fields. Oh, dear God, fill them with your power. Oh, God, protect them. I beg you, Lord, to protect them physically and spiritually. Oh, God, only God can do what they need in their life. I say tonight, dear friend, if you're not spending time in prayer, you need to take a look at your schedule this week and figure out how you're going to spend time in prayer. I don't care how much talent or wisdom or education or ability that we have. It's not what we can do for God. It's what God could do through us, spirit field. How we need to pray for our evangelists. As I text several of our men, I believe four of them this morning, as I usually hear from them in the five and six o'clock hour on Sunday morning, and they say to me, preacher, I prayed for you, or I say to them, I prayed for you this morning. As I prayed for those evangelists, those men that are preaching in Illinois and the Carolinas and Texas, and, and uh, forget where the other one was this morning, but I prayed, oh God, use the evangelist. I prayed for the buses today. 
Brother Johnson, I prayed for you today. I prayed for you. I prayed for all of our drivers and our workers. I prayed for the teenagers that are giving and learning and serving and working. And I prayed that God, oh, listen to me, folks. I, I, we're not wasting time talking about prayer. For if we don't get a hold of God in heaven, you can have the best appliance in all the world. But if it's not plugged into the power source, it doesn't matter how pretty it is. It doesn't matter how expensive it is. It doesn't matter unless it's plugged into the power source. I'm preaching to you tonight. Oh, how we need to spend time with God in prayer. I pray for our teachers. Brother Young, our family prays for you in the morning. We pray for your wife. We pray for the teachers as we go through the grades of school, Dr. Jorgensen. We pray for you. We pray for the teachers in our college. I pray for our Sunday school teachers. Oh, listen to me. I'm not interested in what I can do. I know what I can do. I can fail. That's what I can do. Ah, but he can succeed. Oh, he can succeed. I enjoy it more every time as I see children standing up reciting scripture or singing songs or in a play or as they sang tonight. As I sat there, I thought, Lord, thank you for letting me be the pastor here. 30-some years had the privilege to perform the marriage ceremony for many of the uh, parents that, that stood here. And I watched these children grow up from birth. And it's not what we can accomplish in the youth department or the Christian school or activities. It's what God can do in their life through the programs that we have. I'm saying tonight, child of God, you and I need to pray. As I read through the word of God, the things I find about prayer warriors that is common to them is they learn two things. First of all, they learn the power of God first. And second of all, they learn through prayer is that power for victory is available. I talked to two dear Christian friends this week. One is in his late 80s, the other in his early 90s. Both of them, as I just spoke to them and asked how they were doing and then asked what words of advice or counsel do you have for me, both of them said the same thing. They said, stand before God in faithfulness. Stand before God in prayer. With men, things are impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. My time is up, but I'm going to give you four things quickly. Four things that make a great prayer warrior. A great prayer warrior is one who has great needs. Only God can meet. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi and he said, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving of what he's already done. Let your requests be made known unto God. I walk through the building this afternoon as I do every day and sometimes more than once a day. <coughs> and I've, I've, I've watched the building from the time it was just a pencil drawing to an architectural drawing <coughs> to now being built. I prayed for it. I believe <coughs> that building will be a result of the prayers of God's people. Haven't said it in a few weeks, but I think of it 
every week and every day I'm in here as I go to that church and I pray for the boys and girls that faithfully come and put money in the offering or in the church house for the building. I believe God hears the prayers of children. I'm glad that our children don't have to read a book to say I like to read about when God did miracles. I'm glad our children can say I'm glad I got to experience a miracle in my life like Christians of old used to experience. I must move on. Four things that make a great prayer warrior. Those who have great needs only God can meet. Those who have great burdens only God could carry. Daniel's burden was to know the will of God. I'm struck. I'm in awe of the fact that even after 70 years, Daniel hungers still to know the will of God. Great prayer warriors of those who have great dreams only God can fulfill. And lastly, prayer warriors, great prayer warriors are those who have great enemies only God can defeat. As I read through the Psalms, and I read the Psalms often in family devotions in the mornings, I find the two words often, mine enemies. For example, Psalm 6, verse number 7, Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. I'm preparing a sermon that I'll preach in the next few weeks. When we think about mine enemies in David, we're thinking of the Philistines. We're thinking of Goliath. We're thinking of others like that. The great enemy that we're facing today, the Internet's destroying the minds of our children. We, we, we've got to talk about it. We, we, we've got to... And, and I think the only way we'll overcome that in our homes is through prayer. And so I close tonight by saying the need of America today, I would like to have a conservative president, a Christian conservative president. I would like to have some Christian conservative senators and congressmen, I would. But my greatest desire tonight and all of us could decide and choose to become what our world needs, great prayer warriors. Stand with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we're beyond the help of man. We're beyond...